Welcome to the new TV Gold podcast from Media Week's Andrew Mercado and James Manning, a podcast for people who love great television. On this episode of TV Gold, we're going to be looking at Funny Woman, which is on Binge or Foxtel, whichever one you prefer, a new stand series called Year Of. But Andrew Mercado, we're going to start off again this week with sex. What again? <laughs> It was a favourite subject last week. What a favourite subject. It, it was a subject on last week's podcast, of course, when we talked about Nacho, yep. the story of the Spanish adult film star Nacho Vidal. As seen on Stan. Absolutely, yep. This week, there's a lot of sex as well, but it comes on uh, an HBO production on Binge or Foxtel, and it's The Idol. And before we talk about The Idol, can we talk about the fact that this is the replacement series for Succession. I mean, could you get two shows any less alike? We think we've gone from the nuanced dialogue of Succession to The Idol, uh, which has dialogue which is basically rape fantasy. I mean, wow. I mean, look, actually, there was a bit of that in Succession every now and then. Um, let's face it. But, yeah, this is just... Uh, yeah, look, I've been looking at the – there's a bunch of reviews because no episodes of this were sent in advance to critics. So you and I watched it the same time as just about every other TV critic. So I woke up today to numerous reviews of The Idol, and the general consensus is two stars out of five. Nobody's really impressed by it, James. Uh, yeah, I – no, I'm not sure about that. I mean, there a few critics in Cannes got to see it. I think about a week ago, yeah, it was screened at the uh, previewed at the Cannes Film Festival. Um, there were mixed reviews of it then. Um, yeah, but look, it is generally getting negative press. I think, but, yeah, but all this talk about it can't be a bad thing when it comes to ratings. I guess. No, exactly right. And I think HBO are very aware of that. I mean, most of the negative press seems to stem from a story printed in Rolling Stone Correct. that basically tells the story about how the original female showrunner was uh, taken off the project, sacked, whatever, and uh, the whole project was kind of reshot at a cost of tens of millions of dollars. They've spent an absolute mozza on this. And then you watch that first episode, and, I mean, it looked uh, amazing, you know, set in this mansion. Um, and the, the, the stuff with the, so the stories about this kind of Britney Spears-like massive pop star as played by Lily Rose Depp. And, you know, she's having a photo shoot at her house and some of the dialogue between her team of managers, her publicist, her manager, the record company people, the concert promoters, I mean, some of that dialogue was funny and <laughs> satirical and I thought, yeah, I could watch a show like that. But when the show then became about Jocelyn going out to a club and meeting this sleazy nightclub owner and then them sort of getting involved in kinky sex. I thought, oh, God, where is this going? Like I'd much rather stick with those uh, sardonic, uh, immoral, you know, Hollywood types 
that are managing her career rather than whatever is going to go on in this relationship, if you can call it that, between the pop star and the nightclub owner with a rat's tail. Yeah, the um, yeah, you're right about the Rolling Rolling Stone really didn't like this from probably the start of March was their I think their first sort of negative piece about it. They said how HBO's next euphoria became uh, twisted torture porn. Yeah. This was a pretty funny headline. Yeah, um, and that's, yeah, you know, no one wants their show, you know, to be described as torture porn. That's about <laughs> the worst thing you can label something today. <laughs> and they they got to see a preview of it at Cannes too, and the headline accompanying that review is, the idol is more toxic and way worse than you've heard. Wow. But as you say, James, HBO will be loving that. I mean, they've just come off all that publicity succession. They will absolutely uh, be eating up this next bit. Yeah, look, it it made me. Like, I watched it come through live on uh, Monday. As did I. Went to here in the US. So the the interest factor is way up there. But, but look, I wasn't a fan of um, Sam Levinson's previous show, Euphoria. Yeah. Didn't do much for me. And look, I might have overlooked this if I hadn't got interested in the sort of brouhaha that sort of exploded around it. And I'm right. I I get what you're saying about it. It was almost a show in two halves. But I was sort of enjoying myself for most of it. And I, I, I thought it was pretty good. And I really, it's really not a show that, I thought I would have um, appreciated. Look, I'm not going to say that I hate it, but I was certainly disappointed with it. I thought it was shallow. Uh, it makes me wonder what the original vision of the show was, which apparently was more from a female perspective uh, about the seeing things through the life of the pop star, which it clearly isn't anymore. I'm not saying I hated it, but I certainly wasn't raving about it. And look, I liked uh, Euphoria. There were some parts that I thought were gratuitous, uh, but in terms of a high school drama setting a new bar in terms of explicit content, um, it certainly did that. And there were some very interesting moments in Euphoria, but so far I'm yet to see that the idol is doing anything as interesting as Euphoria ever did in redefining the high school drama genre. It's interesting you mentioned succession in your intro because there was at one stage in the first half of it, um, and the, and you're right, the dialogue was quite witty for a while there. Yeah. Um, good cast. Dan Levy is, a, I think, one of the PR um, operatives. Eli Roth is quite good as a as a pretty weird um, Live Nation executive who turns yeah. up. Uh, Hank Azaria is great as as Jocelyn's manager. That's uh, Jocelyn is is the um, Lily Rose Depp character. And what about uh, Aussie boy Troy Savan in there as uh, her creative director? <laughs> yeah, yeah, he's good. He's good. And uh, I think it was Jane Adams who plays Nikki, a label executive, gets some of the best lines. Well, she was really great, and she's one of those actors of it that I had to IMDb and go, you know, are you from a sitcom? I, I really know her face. I know. I know her from stuff, but, um, yeah, this is, a, this is a pretty good role for her. I mean, that, the succession, I was thinking this is almost a succession for pop music 
at one stage. You know, it was it was veering that way. It sort of went off track mm. a little bit, uh, and I'll get to that. But things like, you know, they were talking about mental illness and one of the PR people said, oh, mental illness is sexy. <laughs> yeah, I know. That was uh, really full on that conversation. And then some of the dialogue from um, from Jocelyn about they get into this nudity clause in the contract and and she's saying things like, oh, it's my boob and it's my house, you know, because yeah. she wants to be photographed bare-breasted um, in this sort of album cover shoot they're doing. And and they have a um, an intimacy coordinator, yeah, isn't it? Intimacy coordinator oh. who who manager Hank Azaria ends up locking in the bathroom because he's interfering too much, you know. So I thought that was pretty funny. See, it's really interesting because intimacy coordinators now on film and TV sets are really changing what we're seeing. You know, for years and years we've been watching TV shows where it's almost been expected that, that if the show's going to be aimed at adults, that the female actors are going to be seen nude and they're going to be, well, I guess, exploited in that way. We've seen the reversal over the past few years. We've seen male nudity come back more while sometimes the girls keep their clothes on. But we've seen, like, we saw that example of Eden, that Australian show that was made for Stan, that clearly had an intimacy coordinator in that because uh, the young actresses in that show were doing lots and lots of scenes where they were nude, but they were never, ever showing anything. They were standing up with their hands across their breasts and all of this type of thing. So it's that's what makes the idol kind of stand out more because the idol is almost a throwback to the days where you did have a lead actress and, you know, Lily Rose Depp is sort of, semi-nude throughout most of this opening episode. Yeah, she wears very little at, at any stage in yeah. this, um, in that first episode. And she also smokes a hell of a lot. I mean... Yeah, every- that, is, that is out of control. The, sm- the smoking is... That was something I started to laugh at. It, you know, it got to the point she, where she reached to light for a cigarette. I was like, oh, for God's sake, this is literally all she's done throughout the entire episode, chain smoke. Every scene she lights up, every time she's yeah. on camera, she lights a, a, a fresh cigarette. It, it makes Mad Men look like an anti-smoking <laughs> video, you know? <laughs> yeah, it, it just it's it's cliched and it just becomes, you can almost build a drinking game around the amount of times that her character's going to light a cigarette. Now you'd be pissed very quickly if you did that. Yeah. Sure. Um, yeah, no, but I, I enjoyed it till it got to that. When she, when she went off to the nightclub, which is where she meets the weekend, who plays this weird sort of um I don't know, DJ apparently who's also a, becomes a bit of a cult leader. I'm I'm not sure if that develops further throughout the series. It played by the weekend then and there's just too many sort of dull scenes on the dance floor and some weird scenes of of uh the weekend and um Lily Rose Depp's character sort of being drawn to each other without any real explanation of no. why, you know? No, it's sort of like she's the most famous person in the club. He goes over to have a dance with her and, and you know, she's just immediately onto him and it's like, come on with that, you know? It just kind of, what is it? It's trying to say that, you know, she's such a big, huge star that nobody ever approaches her. So when someone with the balls to actually 
come up to her and and be on her level and say I'm a nightclub owner that they're going to be attracted to each other. Yeah, that was that that was very scant information there. Yeah, well, there was a nice bit of dialogue when uh, Jocelyn's PA is sort of upset to learn that um, Jocelyn's taken with this Tedros character, and she says, "Oh, he's kind of rapey, isn't he?" <laughs> Trying to explain why she's worried about him. And she says, the Lily Rose Depp character says, yeah, I kind of like that. You know, so that's a very deliberate line of dialogue. That is a show deliberately trying to be controversial, deliberately trying to be provocative, and deliberately trying to feed clickbait on Twitter and social media. Oh, look how shocking we are. You know, that 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 line felt very uh just felt very uh pre-planned to me to cause a stir. Yeah. Well, there's only, I'm not sure if there's five or six episodes. IMDb says there's six. Uh, Variety says there's five. So it's going to be one or the other. I Now tell me, did I miss these two actresses in this first episode or we haven't seen them yet? Elizabeth Berkeley is apparently in it. I haven't seen her in it at all yet. Which is interesting because Showgirls almost yeah. sort of, ended her career and this has certainly got echoes of showgirls hasn't it about it yeah it sort of does it'd be interesting to see what sort of role she's playing in this and Anne, is it heck or hetch and hash and hash she's Anne Hayes is dead now really is she meant to be in this huh? yeah, you're right you're absolutely right she's an upcoming guest star this may well be the last role that she's ever had i mean she's been dead nearly a year now in that car accident so Clearly, this was this has been filmed some time ago. Yeah, yeah. So there you go. So yeah, look, I'll I'll stick around because if there's more of that music industry insiders with those, you know, very capable actors, I'm on board. But then if it yeah. just, if it goes into this weird sort of I don't know cultish sex fantasy world, it's not much to offer for me. But I've got a feeling it's going to try and keep a foot in both camps, maybe. Yeah, totally. I mean, I'm going to keep watching it, see where it's going. Uh, but, you know, relatively unimpressed to begin with, uh, hoping there's a bit more depth to it. Yeah. Okay, so that's The Idol, and you can watch that on Binge or on Foxtel. We should go to probably the most important show of the week, really, is The Year Of, the um, the new Australian original on Stan. Uh, from the makers of Bump. It's a bit of a Bump spin-off. But, but Andrew, apart from the high school being the same as the one in Bump, there's not much else, is there, between linking the two series? No, not really. And, in fact, if uh, people didn't tell you that it was a Bump spin-off, I would have not recognised that it was the same school whatsoever. There's actually no correlation that I can see yet. I've watched every episode of Bump, really, really enjoyed it, thought it's a great show. But this show apparently is set in the same school and I'm none the wiser. I haven't seen anything yet in year of that makes me think of punk. Yeah, no. And and for me, I mean, there's something um, happens in that first episode which is really going to dominate the series. Um, yeah. I was expecting more of a, you know, a, a sort of a, a look at various teens work, you know, as a group. Um, maybe a couple of families, but but when you read the synopsis, it's really about 
how people deal with what happens in that first episode. So that's okay, but I wasn't really expecting that, I guess. Yeah, the tone is very, very different to Bump. I mean, Bump was almost, I mean, it wasn't a comedy, but it was very light. Yeah. And, you know, it was very easy with Bump when you watched that first episode of the the schoolgirl giving birth to a baby when she didn't realise she was pregnant. And then her mother is a teacher at the school played by Claudia Carvin. And, you know, it was this very small sort of uh, family that you got to know straight away. And then the supporting characters came in around them. Year of just sort of begins and it's just a whole bunch of kids all going to a party and something happens after the party that ends in tragedy and then we're really on the dark, dark train out of there. So it's a very, very different show, not at all like Bump, and I can understand why they're not promoting that because it's it's not a Bump-like show at all. This is a very dark show. And, in fact, I'm not even sure why this show exists. It's, you know, since Bump, we've had Heartbreak High on Netflix, and as far as I'm concerned, Heartbreak High has kind of reinvented the Australian high school drama TV series, which hadn't been on TV for a long time. And now we've got Year Off, and I'm kind of watching it and going, well, what's your contribution to this? Why do you exist? So, yeah, okay, so you're doing a show about, you know, trauma and tragedy. I get that, but, you know, why? Um, It just, yeah, I'm a little bit, confused by it because it doesn't have the appeal of bump and it doesn't have the appeal of heartbreak high in fact it feels like a bit of a darker low rent heartbreak high so i'm trying to figure out why why it exists james well i guess it exists i mean the the other major link with bump is all the creative team you know producers father and son dan and john edwards um the the writing team um so it's it's all those same people are working on it. But this is, as you say, it's a bit darker. It's certainly a bit more depressing. Um, yeah. It really lacks the warmth that Bump and both Heartbreak High had. Although I think some of the cast do a good job at, with their characters, but you don't really, you're not really drawn to them, are you? There's too many characters. Hmm. You know, when you start a new show like this, you've got to see it kind of be taken into that world by one or two characters that are really appealing and then you get to know what year of does badly is it just kind of throws up just this bunch of kids who are out to party which we've seen on tv a hundred times before and then you know various parents around the place i mean you've got daniel cormack and matt nabel playing the parents of one child and you've got uh, caroline brazier playing the weird tarot hard reading, mother that gets liposuction mad, mother there. So you're getting all these heroes, but there's too many characters and you kind of, it's jumping all over the place. The next minute we're sitting in a housing commission place with Denise Roberts, who says to the teacher, oh, it's time for you to go. You're sitting on the remote control. I need to watch Hot Seat. And you kind of go, oh, you know, it's just all over the shop. Yeah, the um, I guess the the, the central characters are probably um you know the senior central characters are uh daniel cormack and matt nabel i guess the parents. i guess yeah um, in terms of the adult characters 
Yeah, and then and what they have to deal with, they sort of they probably anchor it in a way, um, and then all the other characters are in an orbit around them. But then you've got this other subplot with a couple of the teachers that seem to be sharing a flat. I mean, it opens with, you know, that that I was like, oh, are you a student? You know, you you guys are what? Are you going to university or something? And then you go, oh, you're a high school teacher. Mm. So now we've got the teachers, the parents, and the kids. It's like it's too many characters. Yeah, yeah, there is. I I did particularly like Caroline Brazier's uh, performance. As yes, she was great the wild out there mother she's pretty good there's uh, uh some scenes in um episode three where she's dancing with a, f- a friend of her daughter's and that's yeah cool. yeah but um but i was going to say about matt nabel and um particularly matt nabel he has very little to do i've i've watched three episodes me too and- um, they're short episodes. They're only half an hour long, right? They are, which is sort of what I liked about it. I, you can you can power through this, um, but Matt Nable, very little dialogue. Um, he's expressive in, in what he's what he's going through, but but um, Daniel Cormack plays the school principal. Yeah, bit hard to sort of grasp her role. It's very very odd. I, I found the way she behaves, but I guess. She's dealing with something, so you do that the best you can, I guess. But Yeah, yeah. And look, you know, back, uh, thumbs up to them for finding another bunch of young Australian actors yeah. that are probably going to get their first role in a TV show. It's a diverse cast, so a big tick to that. Um, you know, there's, there's, you know they're, they're trying really hard to do something, you know, meaningful and great. Uh, it's just it just doesn't pop. It just doesn't stand out. Um, and I think that it you know it will be unfairly compared to with Heartbreak High. I mean, look, I'm not the ta- I'm not the target audience, and ne- neither are you, James, for no, a school no. about high a show about high school students. But having said that, I wasn't the target audience for Bump, and I've watched every episode, and I absolutely loved it. I wasn't the target audience for Heartbreak High, but I watched every episode and absolutely loved it because it was a it was taking me into a world that I'm not overly familiar with, and it was doing it in a way that made me go, "Oh, why? Right, this is really kind of interesting." The problem with Year of is I'm watching it going, uh, "There's nothing really going on in this world." I don't think that's going to keep me as someone outside the target audience to keep watching it. Yeah, yeah. No, I'm just worried that if, uh, I've seen three episodes. Am I? Are we going to have? You know, is the re- the remaining seven still going to revolve around what happened in the first episode? I think it's stretching, stretching it too much. And it. What was the the Aussie sitcom a couple of weeks ago? What we that was um, built around uh, something that happened. Oh, it might have been the first or second episode. Well, that was, you mean in Limbo, the ABC one? Yeah, so it sort of reminds me in that a little way. Just yeah. And, 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 that, you know, you're just going to have to be kept reminding about all the way through the series that, you know. And it's, it's also owes something to Totally Completely Fine, which is another Australian series on Stan about the girl that moves to the house and discovers that it's a suicide jump off point and she's got to go outside and stop people jumping off the cliff i mean there was a darkness and dealing with trauma in that one so yeah you're right this there's it shares themes with a lot of very recent shows 
Yeah. I think we need to cheer up a bit, maybe. Yes. <laughs> Please. Please. But do another series of Bump. I, I understand they are doing another series of Bump. Okay. Um, that, to me, is the perfect mix of, you know, you can have the, the last series of Bump, uh, Claudia Carvin's character had cancer, but there was nothing dark or depressing about it. It was done in a fun, uplifting way, and you've got the rest of the characters are always going through shit, but it's presented in a way that's kind of light and keeps you kind of waiting for something crazy to happen. Um, I, I, I'm not getting that vibe yet from Year Off. Yeah. Okay. So Year Off on Stan, uh, 10 episodes. And it um, launches this, I think, probably uh, around about June 9, depending on which is either just about now or happened uh, a little while ago, if you're listening to this a bit further down the track. Okay, the remaining program we're going to look at this week is also on Binge and Foxtel, uh, a UK period drama called Funny Woman. Well, James, you said you wanted something uh, something light and something fun, and we've got it. Here's a series, six-part British drama made for Sky in the UK. Stars Gemma Arderton as, and of course, when you see the words funny woman, I immediately looked at that and thought, oh, gosh, are we doing yet another a British version of Hacks? Are we doing a British version of The Marvelous Mrs. Maisel? Because, yeah, we're talking about a female comedian on the British scene in the 60s. But the difference here is that she's not a stand-up comedian. She is – the show opens with her winning a beauty contest, one of those kind of, you know, seaside, uh, you know, bikini parades. And as they put the crown on her, she suddenly – has this realisation, I don't want to do this, and she takes it off and gives it to the girl who was runner-up, and she moves to London and decides she wants to do something more with her life, and she wants to be funny, but there's not a lot of opportunities for women to be funny in the 60s, and she has no idea how to do it. Yeah, she was uh, the Belle of Blackpool was the title yeah. she won in in nineteen sixty four. I don't know much about Gemma Arlerton's work. Um, I don't. I haven't really seen any of the previous series she's been in. Not that I can remember anyway. Well, look, I think of Gemma Arlerton, who's in the film more as being a film star. Yeah. You know, um, you know, those kind of British films that she's in. I mean, she's very, very familiar to me, but she really hasn't had, I don't think, a project that's really kind of, it's like she hasn't been in Downton Abbey or something like that where you think, oh, Gemma Arlerton from, you know? Yeah. Um, Yeah. So she still kind of seems, you know, very delightful. Um, but yeah, she hasn't had that project yet that sort of you really as- associate her with. Rupert Everett's in this, who I know a little bit more, and um, Morwenna Banks is in this, who uh, I think I've seen in a few things. She's also a writer, but she's also had a lucrative career voicing um, Mummy Pig in the Peppa uh, Pig Kids series. Uh, yeah. Well, yeah, look, I- Rupert Everett is just uh, terrific in this. I mean, he's quite unrecognisable. Yeah. Uh, he kind of has made himself look quite kind of overweight and he kind of makes himself look sleazy, even though his character isn't sleazy. 
you know, his character is kind of a bit, you know, uh, direct in some of the things he says, but he's not a sleazy guy. And certainly there is an episode where Gemma Artisan's character goes out on a date with a man and it ends in this kind of awful kind of sexual assault. So there are sleazy people mm. around the scene at the time, but, you know, Rupert Everett, for as, as hideous as he looks in this, actually turns out to be a, a, the, a kind of very theatrical agent um, who, uh, you know, finds her a job. And I think what's interesting about where this show's going is that she ends up uh, starring in a British sitcom. She makes a pilot for a British sitcom. Now we're moving into territory that I'm kind of really familiar with in terms of what was going on in British comedies in the 70s. We watched all of them here in Australia growing up. And certainly when you look back at some of those comedies in the 70s, you look at some of the female characters in it and think, oh, gosh, that's actually really, really nasty. You know, it's uh, female characters there were there to be ogled at and were there to be made fun of. And sometimes in those British sitcoms, they never, ever uh, got the one up on the man. What I found really interesting in Funny Woman was that in this sitcom pilot that she was making, uh, Gemma Arterton's character says, I don't want to wear that. I'm not going, I'm meant to be a cleaner. I wouldn't clean the house in uh, a skirt and high heels. And that to me uh, feels very much like what I've just seen on the fantastic documentary, which is on Foxtel and Binge at the moment, being Mary Tyler Moore. And, you know, I love the Mary Tyler Moore show. I knew less about the Dick Van Dyke show that she was in before that. But I didn't realise that Mary Tyler Moore was the first woman on American TV who was allowed to wear pants. And she specifically said when they were making that show, you're the stay-at-home housewife. And she was like, I am not going to be vacuuming the house in a skirt and high heels and pearls like everybody who's been on TV before that. Me and all of my friends, we do housework in pants and um, slip-on shoes. And so they let her do that, and she kind of created this fashion trend in America and was certainly the first person to do that. So echoes there, I think, of Mary Tyler Moore's uh, sitcom history creeping into this British story. Nice segue to docos there, which I'll return to in a second. You must have been reading my notes, Andrew. Look, um <laughs> Just finally on Funny Woman for me, I, I love, I'm still quite early in the piece. I think I'm into the second episode. That's as far as I've got so far. But I love the recreation of um, London in the 60s. Yeah. They've obviously done it on a bit of a budget because there's a few tight shots of, of streets they've recreated with some old cars and some sets. But then there's some archive footage of what it was really like, which is blended in together quite well. Yeah. And, I love the scene, the early scenes where she um, visits a, a comedy troupe who are working on like a, a skit show or something. Um, well, yeah, that's the show that ends up becoming the sitcom pilot that uh, okay. she ends up doing for them. Right, right. Yeah. I thought that was really nice and yeah, uh, the, the, the way they work that in. So, yeah, look, I'm enjoying it and I'll certainly stay with it. And also a big shout out to David Threlfall, who plays her father. And we should point out that funny woman, which you can watch on Binge, uh, Gemma Artisan's character is called 
Barbara Parker, but Rupert Everett theatrically comes up with a stage name for her called Sophie Straw, which is kind of funny. <laughs> Very good. Okay, Funny Woman on Binge or Foxtel. A couple of things to wrap this show on. You, you talked about docos. I've had time to knock off a couple this week. I watched yep. still the Michael J. Fox documentary. Oh, what, where's that on? Where it's do you watch Apple. that? Apple, Apple right. Look, it's been sitting there for a few weeks. I've I've always wanted to watch it, but I've always gone, yeah, look, I'll get back to it. You know, it, it didn't seem pressing, but gee whiz, is that good? I highly wow. recommend it. It is it is just so good. It's it's really brilliant. Um, and it's not a soppy sob story about oh this poor guy suffering from Parkinson's. You know, it's it's a it's a real celebration of his life and and what he's facing up to. You know. Yeah, you're right. There are so many documentaries out there and so many entertainment documentaries out there. I mean, we've talked previously over the past few weeks about Love to Love You, Donna Summer and Being Ron Jeremy, uh, and there's an Anna Nicole doco on Netflix, Anna Nicole Smith, You Don't Know Me. Uh, Fox Docos is about to start 100 years of Warner Brothers this weekend to celebrate that film studio's great thing. And then SBS is running a show called History of the Sitcom, which is a CNN series that does different episodes. And um, I, I, I can't remember now because it was hilarious. I watched History of the Sitcom and then I watched Being Mary Tyler Moore. And a lot of the material that they were covering was the same because both the Dick Van Dyke show and the Mary Tyler Moore Show are hugely influential in the world of sitcoms. But, you know, of everything that I've watched, um, I've got to say that being Mary Tyler Moore was the show that was the most interesting to me because it was really trying to get in and have a look at what motivated the woman, such an iconic figure in American TV and sitcom history um, and behind the scenes, some very tragic things happening in her life. But, you know, trying to get in and, and look at this woman who was so beloved and who meant so much to so many w women for being the first woman to kind of have a show built around her, to have a show built around her in the workplace, to be, be seen as a single woman living in her own apartment in the 70s when that wasn't the done thing on TV. She inspired so many people. But, of course, in there was that insecurity of her thinking she really wasn't good enough. And so in terms of all the entertainment documentaries I've seen later, I, lately, I think being Mary Tyler Moore on Foxtel Binge is the one you should try and seek out to watch. The other one I wanted to mention was the John Farnham doco, which has been in cinemas called Finding the Voice. My God, James, that is so magnificent. I went to see that in the cinema. I would I'm sure it's going to be on TV soon, but I would highly encourage people to see it. It's doing really well at the box office. I know that you would have brought out your box office report uh, a few days ago on Tuesday. Uh, it's it's been making a lot of money. I would. Highly encourage people to go see the John Farnham Finding uh, Finding, Finding a Voice, Voice documentary in cinemas because it you need to be enveloped by that story. Yeah, it's just yeah, it's a it's an amazing piece of work. It's taken over three million dollars. It's become the highest grossing, I think. What's the correct term? The highest grossing Australian documentary ever in a cinema. 
Wow. Wow. And, and deservedly so. It was deservedly so. When it was over, I could sort of hear people sniffing all around me that had been crying and were kind of, you know, dabbing their eyes and trying to pull themselves together before the lights came up. It's, it's a very, very emotional movie. Yeah, look, I could talk about this forever, but a couple of the things that intrigued me, the um, Olivia Newton-John, you don't see her because she was oh. quite ill at the time, but they, yeah. they interviewed her and she only died a few weeks after the interview. And similarly with Glenn Wheatley, the yeah. interview they recorded with him was done just a month or two before he passed as well. How incredible that we got uh, their contributions to this. And, you know, massive kudos to uh, Glenn's wife, Gaynor Wheatley, who, of course, uh, Aussie soap fans remember as Gaynor Martin from Skyways and Sons and Daughters and Holiday Island. How incredible that Gaynor Wheatley uh, got in there and realised that this was something, you know, that she talks about how there were notes in Glenn Weekly's office saying, make that doco about John. And <laughs> she decided to make it her project after he died and finish it for him. And, and hats off to her. Uh, she's done a magnificent job finishing that important movie. Yeah. And the, the, some of the key creators, Michael Borglin from uh, Beyond, um, drove this along from the very beginning with, with Glenn Wheatley. Um, Martin Fabini, um, whose who's works with um, Michael at, at Beyond as well. And they brought in Paul Clark, who does a lot of great work to yeah. help, um, help put it together as well. So that's really worth um, watching. Andrew, what's your show of the week? My show of the week's going to be, we haven't had the greatest week this week. Um, my show of the week is going to be Funny Woman. I'm really sorry not to be giving it to the new Australian high school drama, but yeah, it just uh, didn't grab me. Whereas Funny Woman, even though I don't think that Funny Woman is the freshest, most original concept around the block, I kind of feel like I've seen it all before, but you know, there's there was a kind of a, a delight to it that makes me want to keep watching it. I'm rooting for her character and I'm interested in where she's going to go with this look at the world of British sitcom. So Funny Woman on Binge is my show of the week. Well, I'm going to have to be a little bit controversial. I'm going to have to go for the idol. <laughs> wow, that is controversial. <laughs> Good. I'm glad that we're not on the same page and doing the same things all together. Yeah, I'm just picking the idol for its ambition, you know. It's just, wow, it's really out there. It's making TV that you sort of, you you want to pay attention to, you know, whether yeah. you, you can argue, well, okay, it's not doing it the best way, but, you know, I'm, Hopefully it'll um, keep offering some um, some good stuff because there was a lot about that first episode I really enjoyed. Yeah, yeah. All right. Well, let's see where it goes. All right. Okay. Good stuff, Andrew. Look, um, great talking to you this week. We'll do it all again next week. Make sure you follow the podcast or recommend us to your friends um, or send us an email. You can send us an email about anything, anything you've been watching comments about things you might agree with or you might like to argue the point on, send your emails to comments at tvgold.au. See you next week, Andrew. Thanks, James. Have a great week. 